Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. going to ask you to turn in your Bibles today to Matthew chapter 18. And we will begin our reading in verse 21. Matthew chapter 18, and we'll begin in verse 21. It seems that Peter and Judas were the two most mathematical of all the disciples. Judas kept up with the money, made sure we didn't spend too much on worship. We could possibly have used that anointing all for feeding the poor or something. Peter is about to get all mathematical on us this morning, and he's going to ask the Lord a question. Verse 21, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother, or how often shall my brother sin against me, And I forgive him. Didn't seem to be too concerned about me sinning against him. But I know they're going to sin against me, God. You know how they are. So how often should this happen and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And if you have... 77 times, don't disregard your translation, 77 and 70 times 7 would look identical in the Greek. But for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10 thousand talents was brought to him. This is millions of dollars. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell down to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me. And I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw himself in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow, or threw him in prison, and so when his fellow slaves saw what had happened to him, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. And then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, 
I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger this time, handed him over to the torturers and he, until he should repay all that was owed him. And Jesus closes with, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. This is one of those questions, I call it. As a pastor, I get one of those questions every once in a while. Myself, I will never be able to answer it as well as Jesus did, of course. So I always try to refer to him. But it's one of those questions that usually start out with, well, can I go to heaven if? What is the bare minimum I need to do to get into heaven? Or, Pastor, do you think you can go to heaven if you this what? ever else or do this or that or or whatever I hate those kinds of questions I hate those kinds of statements sometimes you hear statements like uh, I saw recently if you hate gays you can't go to heaven before you can respond to that question you got to go back or the statement you got to go back and kind of fix the statement first because somebody else may come along and say, well, you can't uh, hate anybody and go to heaven. And that will certainly uh, be true in some sense as well. But I, 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 it's, it's just hard to go, yeah, well, that's true or whatever. The statement makes no sense. And, and here is why. You can love gays and not go to heaven. You don't earn your way to heaven. I don't care who you love. I don't care how much you pour your heart into any of these issues, uh, people of other races or whatever it might be, we do not earn our way to heaven. So when people make these statements about, well, you know, you can't go to heaven if you do this, and, and or pastor, do you think you can still go to heaven if you do such and such? I, I, I can just tell you, we never earn our way to heaven. The question or the statement is so jaded and out of sorts, there is really no intelligent way to respond to it. As a matter of fact, recently God spoke to my heart with, with, with something that I've thought often about. Most people would not want to go to either heaven or hell if they really knew what went on there. Do you think, well, that don't sound right. Well, I, I think we know we don't want to go to hell because that's a terrible place. But both heaven and hell uh, they are nothing but places of torment for those who have no desire to worship God. Heaven's not about you, and it's not about me. It's not about getting to go on a vacation. It's not the, uh, 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 the, the, the cosmic Costa Rica. It, it's, it's not any of those things that, that people want to think about it as being. Heaven is a place where we go and we worship God. And, and so if you don't know God, I doubt you're going to want to be there. And, and if you just want to go there to keep from going to hell, that's a terrible reason to go. And, and, and that won't get you there 
in the first place. But, but just think about that. Both heaven and hell have nothing to offer but torment for those who have no desire whatsoever to worship God. So it's not about all of that. And Jesus has made a powerful statement here. And boy, I, I knew when this week started and I began to look at this passage, I was like, oh, here we go again. Because when you make a statement like Jesus does about forgiveness, and then I come along and very humbly, I hope, try to preach that word. It's another one of those things that people go, well, there you go again. That's some more of that legalism or that's some more of that do and don't stuff. And now he's preaching about people not being able to go to heaven and all of that. I get so frustrated with that sometimes. Dr. Robert Canoy, one of the best teachers I ever had in grad school, taught us, he said, it's bad enough to be understood, it's terrible to be misunderstood. And I feel really misunderstood sometimes. Man, I, I just, I, I do often, I feel like a, a lifeguard. I don't know of a better way to explain it, and this is probably not very good. But I, I feel like a lifeguard that people assume he hates people that can't swim. Well, that's not true at all. That, that is so, that would so miss me. Or maybe people would think, well, he's just too bigoted to let people have fun in the water and do as they choose. Or, or maybe someone else surely is going to come along and say, well, nobody's a perfect swimmer, you know. And then surely one more would come along and say, well, you know, Jesus never mentioned swimming. Okay, but he did talk about drowning. I feel frustrated sometimes. When I say I don't like black lives matter, that's not because I'm a racist. That's because I think organizations like that do terrible harm to those people and, and prostitutes them for their own gain and, and, and all of that. But when I tell you stories about Emmett Till and people like that, the reason I know those stories is because my heart breaks for, uh, the, over the issue of racism. I've studied racism in the history of America. I may know more about it than those who hate me for not hating something else. And so all of that leads to Massive frustration on my part. I bet people think he hates gays. There's not a gay person in the world I hate. Not one. Not one. I'd help any of them that came and wanted help. And those that don't want help, I'm going to love them anyway. And I hope they want to come one day. And I hope they want to get help. They're, you get so frustrated sometimes. But here we go again. I can't help it. Jesus said it. He said, if we don't forgive others, then he will not forgive us. And anything that will ever hinder Jesus from forgiving me, that needs my attention. I can tell you, I can afford to do without a lot of things, but forgiveness is not one of them, friend. I desperately need it. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, Verse 14 and 15, for if you forgive others of their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you of your transgressions. But let's clear up something else before we move on. 
Forgiving others does not earn forgiveness for you. You don't work for it. Forgiving, God forgiving us is all by His grace. But He is teaching us that unless you understand what forgiveness is, and the way you will demonstrate that you understand what you're asking from God, is you will be able to offer it to others. Because when you really realize why you need forgiveness, then you will also be willing to give it to others. And then he begins to help us unpack this. There's, this is really the only thing Jesus ever said that would keep God from forgiving us. So I want to ask a question this morning. What makes forgiveness so special? What is so special about forgiveness? Well, number one, forgiveness is extraordinary. Forgiveness is extraordinary, and it is because of a couple of things. One, because of our accounting. We like to keep score. Forgiveness is much tougher than keeping score. With keeping up with wrongs that have been done against us. As a matter of fact, Peter is the one that has unleashed this beast. So let's talk about it for a second. The law, the rabbinical law said that you had to forgive a person three times. Now, if they messed up the fourth time, you could smack them right in the face. I wonder how many Jews were like, he's up to two. I'm going to go ahead and loosen up. Teeth are about to fly. They were so legalistic. And Peter thought, well, I'll put a twist on it. Maybe he got it from Cain and Lamech back in the Old Testament, sevenfold revenge or whatever. We don't know. But he came up with a number that he thought, well, this will be even better than what the rabbis teach. Uh, how about uh, seven? That's a good round figure there, Lord. If I forgive my brother seven times in one day, will that be good enough? And Jesus said to him, I tell you, how about seven times 70, Peter? And the reason I believe that the context would lead us to say seven times 70, 490, my math skills are incredible. Probably got that wrong, but I think it's right. But the reason I think you picked such an extravagant number, the reason I think we should translate it as a higher number, is the point Jesus is trying to make is that what we owe on our account is so great that we need to forgive no matter how many times somebody sins against us. The unlimited revenge of primitive man gives way to the unlimited forgiveness of Christ. And we better remember that. We need His forgiveness. We know that the Jews, they believed in eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's called the lex talionis. That is Latin for the law of retribution. And when Jesus addresses this a little earlier in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, he tells them, you have heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for a tooth, but I say to you. We call that the antithesis section of the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say. And he'll do that six times here. And so you've heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for a tooth. 
But we should never take that as that is an encouragement to get revenge. It was a limiting of revenge. And I'll just give you a quick example. If I accidentally killed one of your cows, and that cow was already sick and just about dead, you couldn't come and kill one of mine if you killed my best one in the herd. You had to find one of mine that was sick and just about half dead. Now, how did you keep up with all of that? If I knocked out one of your teeth, you couldn't come and knock out one of mine if I knocked out one of yours that you already wanted to get loose. You've been trying to pull it yourself. I just helped you with it because it had gone to, started to decay. You can't just come and knock out a good one. You, you see the problem with legalism? Do you understand why the lawyers and the scribes, boy, they, they, they had so much work in that day. They had job security like you wouldn't believe. Billboards everywhere. Dial all nines. And we'll help you figure out which tooth to hit. Well, our accounting makes forgiveness extraordinary. Secondly, our amnesia. Yeah, we have a little of that. In verse 28 says, that slave went out. And found one of his fellow slaves. Not, not somebody that worked for him. A fellow slave. Someone that he was no higher than this guy. Same level. And had the same problem. Someone was a fellow slave who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him. Saying, pay back whatever you owe me. Actually, literally in the Greek, it says, if you owe me anything. It might not be quite as much as I'm saying, but if you owe me one denarii, or denarius, I want it back. A denarius was about 16 cents in American money. What he owed was several million dollars. As a matter of fact, he owed 10,000 talents Idumea, Judea, and Samaria, their entire GDP or their entire income across the board for a year was only 600 talents. If you went to Galilee where several rich people lived, it was still only 300 talents for the whole year. And this guy owes 10,000 talents. A.R. Kennedy puts this in perspective for us. He says 100 denarii could be carried in one pocket. But he said 10,000 talents, and he was British, so he says in a sixpence coin, I think they were uh, struck in about the 1500s at some time, but if you broke 10,000 talents down into sixpence coins, it would take 8,600 soldiers carrying backpacks, each weighing 60 pounds, full of those coins, and if they were three feet apart the mile the, the 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 length of this line of soldiers carrying this much would be five miles long now that's a lot and they didn't write checks so i guess this is how he planned on delivering it he could never ever pay back what he owed the debt is staggering. One of the things that I have told others that I need to also remember myself. But sometimes when people are all about everybody that's done stuff to them and terrible things and horrible this and that. 
I always try to remind people, don't need more grace than you're willing to give. So what? Somebody said something ugly to you. You've said ugly things too. And if you've been good to everybody here, guess what? Before God, you're a sinner. And no matter what this person has cost you, what you've cost God, and what I've cost God, it, it's, it's irrepayable. I don't even know if that's a word. It's not. It is now. Insurmountable. You'd never be able to do it. So what's so special about forgiveness that it would earn this place of being something that could prevent forgiveness for us from God? It's extraordinary. Secondly, it's expensive. We talked a little about this, but let's flesh it out. One, it's expensive for the forgiver himself. It says in verse 24, when he had begun to settle them who one owed him 10,000 talents and was brought before him. Now he forgave this debt. But make sure we understand something. When he forgave millions of dollars, he didn't get his millions of dollars back. When you forgive something, you don't get it back. I, I'm so frustrated with, uh, I know I'm frustrated with a lot of things today, am I not? But I'm, I'm really frustrated when I hear people talk about we're going to cancel debt. We're going to cancel student debt or whatever. And for the sake of my daughter, I hope they do that. But I can tell you, it's a dumb idea. Don't tell her I said that. But it's a dumb idea. You can't cancel debt. Debt doesn't go away. You just make somebody else pay it. Debt doesn't go away. It's, I don't even know how you would say it. It's, 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 a, it's a law of nature. You cannot cancel a debt. If you forgive a debt, then you don't get your money back. Do you think all those professors and the guy that cut grass at the college and all of that, that they're going to all come back together and have a big meeting and turn all their money back in so they can cancel your student debt? No, they just give it to somebody else to pay it. You never get it back. When we forgive, it's expensive. I, I, I can tell you, and the emotional expense, I doubt you would loan somebody millions of dollars if you didn't like them. He had loaned this guy an incredible uh, amount of money. And so you, you have all of that going on as well. I, I have a good friend of mine who is very, very generous. He has his faults. But generosity is not one of them. And he told me one time, he said, I have learned to never loan money if I can't live without it. Because they may not ever pay it back. And he said, that's okay. Man, it costs the one who's forgiver, the forgiver. Secondly, the forgiven. There's some costs there as well. It says in verse 26, so that slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. When it comes to forgiveness, and I think this is the most important thing we're going to look at in this passage today. When it comes to forgiveness, there's a couple of questions we have to ask ourselves. First of all, do I really want forgiveness? That might sound simple, but it's not. 
Sometimes we want vindication. Sometimes we just want our side to be heard. Sometimes we may ask somebody to forgive us and, and what we're really wanting is for it to be okay. We want something to go away. We want it to, to be swept from memory. We, we want our hurt to, to, to just be forgotten about or whatever. We're wanting the relationship back. Can we get back to the way we were? And if we are, then we're cool with all of that. I don't think we realize sometimes that when we are asking for forgiveness, we are asking somebody to bear the brunt, to, to, to be punished for, to live with the deficit of something that we created. Theodore Dalrymple is a guy I've read several of his books. He's an atheist, but I love reading his stuff. He is a psychiatrist in the prison system in London, England. And, and he was recommended to me by an apologist, uh, but boy, he, he will teach you what real depravity is all about. The stories he tells about the patients that he meets in the asylums and prisons in East London are incredible. And he says one thing that's always fascinated him is when prisoners claim that they have paid their debt to society. He said, you've not even started court cost, even if you make reparations for something you stole, we fed you for 10 years or ever how long it was, you couldn't begin to pay the debt that you owe to society. When you walk out those prison doors, people are probably, if it was a very long sentence, it may be into the millions of dollars that you cost people, a lot of people that you will never even meet. No, you've not paid your debt, forgiveness. I can tell you, it's, it's, it's tough. And I, I think a lot of times we're like this guy here. When he fell down and said, would you just forgive me of this debt? Can, can, can we be okay? Will you, will, will, will you just let it go? He had no appreciation for the fact that he owed a debt he couldn't pay. He didn't, he didn't realize, I, I don't think, or, or he wasn't even admitting that, look, I couldn't pay you back if you put me on whatever kind of plan. There's no way in the world, in ten lifetimes, I couldn't pay what I owe you. Sometimes I don't think we appreciate what we really owe. Verse 27, compassion, though, is the key. That's our word. Splank now, we get our word spleen from it. In the Greek, it means he felt it in here. Remember, we said you have to have a lot of guts to forgive. It's a feeling inside, a visceral feeling. Another question is, do I need forgiveness? Do I, do I really feel like I need forgiveness? If your brother sins against you, Jesus had already said up in verse 15, go and tell him his fault. Let's get this all worked out. I, I read a book this week, Philip Yancey's book, on what is so amazing about grace. Boy, he's a great writer, and the book was pretty challenging. I'm not sure I'm with him on everything yet, and maybe I need to be. He had a friend named Daniel. He was a fellow Christian brother in Christ, served his church, was married, had three kids. 
He said, one day Daniel invited me to meet him for lunch because he wanted to talk to me. And he said, man, he floored me. He told me, he said, Philip, I have met a younger woman. She has brought into my life more joy than I could ever explain. And I'm leaving my wife. I'm leaving my wife. And of course, he was leaving his three children as well. Philip Yancey said, I was stunned. But he said, I've heard that before from people. He says, but then he looked at me and he says, now, Philip, the reason I'm telling you this is I have a question. He said, do you think God will forgive something so awful, this thing that I am about to do? Philip Yancey said that question lay on the table like a live snake. He said, I knocked out three cups of coffee before I was able to even try to give an answer. Because do you realize what we're saying? If I know what I'm about to do is wrong. Can I have some assurance that, yeah, but God will forgive me? Man. He had my attention because I've struggled with that one. I've struggled with that with people. This is what Philip Yancey told him three cups of coffee later. He said, forgiveness, Daniel, is our problem. It's not God's. He said, what we have to go through to commit sin, it distances us from God. We change in the very act of rebellion. And he said, here's the problem. There is no guarantee we will ever come back. He said, now you ask me about forgiveness he said, my question is, and my concern is, but will you ever really want it later? Especially if it involves repentance. You see, here's the thing, friend. For me to get forgiveness from God, I have to repent. I don't earn His forgiveness by repenting. But repentance is the door through which I walk. So this means that if Daniel is going to want forgiveness, he's going to have to take this young wife back where he got her at some point. Is he ever going to want to do that? Most never do. Is he ever going to show up at his wife's doorstep? Maybe it's way too late to save the marriage. She might have moved on with her life by then as well. But is he ever going to turn his life around and go back and try to be restored and try to heal those relationships that he destroyed. And, and Yancey told him, he said, unless you get to that point, then you're not ready for forgiveness. So what is the answer? The answer is this, if I know that I'm about to do something for which I must be forgiven then it must be done. If I know I'm about to do something, and you say, well, but what about people that go on and do it anyway? Here, here's the thing. You go back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve didn't say, we're going to go sin against God. They said, we're going to go eat of, of this tree. 
They didn't say, well, we'll eat of the tree and God will just have to forgive us for it later. If we are about to do something that we know is sinful, if we are a child of God, I'm going to tell you something. If we really do, if we really know in our heart that what we are about to do is a sin against God and we believe God and the ramifications that he says will come with that, then we will not do it. Someone has said the first step in sinning against God is to not believe God. Because God told Adam and Eve, in the day you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And Satan comes along and says, well, you won't surely die. Has God really said you couldn't eat of every tree? And, and he began that, that, that compromise in their minds. And, and, and he had them already thinking about, well, maybe there's more to this than you realize. I really believe that if I'm about to do something that I know is a sin, I can tell you I know it's a sin. I hear that a lot. People say, I'm about to do something and I know it's wrong. Man, I have counseled with men that left their wives. And they said, I, I know it's wrong. But I know God will forgive me. If that man knew it was wrong, and understood what forgiveness was, and believed what God said about what he was about to do, he wouldn't do it. This prepaid forgiveness card is a ruse. Well, it's extraordinary. It's expensive, thirdly and last of all. It's essential. So it makes forgiveness different than anything else in Scripture. It's essential. First of all, for our relationship with ourselves. Verse 25 says, His Lord commanded him to be sold. And in verse 27 it says, After he begged for forgiveness, he released him. If you have someone in your life you need to forgive, I can tell you, you need to forgive them on their account, but also, more importantly, you need to forgive them on your account. You'll be amazed what it'll do, the healing that can come in your life when you intentionally for, forgive somebody. I had somebody tell me one time about a person, and as uh, far as I know, he's still out there saying terrible things about me. I know this is a shocker to you, but not everybody loves me. Yeah, it stunned me too, I, Somebody came to me and they said, man, old so-and-so, and called his name. If I called it, a lot of you would know him, but I wouldn't do that. Boy, he really talks badly about you. Saw something he posted, whatever. I told the person, I said, you know what? Honestly, he doesn't bother me. I said, I released him several years ago. I did. I mean, I, I can tell you, you'll know when you really do that. I, I got to the point with that individual, I thought, you know what would be worse than being on the business end of his mouth? What would be way worse is if I were him. If I were as miserable as he is, that'd be way worse than him saying bad things about me. And, and I've never... 
had the opportunity to tell him that no matter what you think of me, at least I'm not you. I'm, I'm sure that would warm his heart and we, it would lead to an embrace. <laughs> Sometimes you release them and you let it go. And that's when you begin to heal. I've heard it said, and I think it's, it's important. You know you've released them when you think about the events, the words said, the things done. And it doesn't fill your heart with the pain and anger that it once did. That forgive and forget is ignorance. You won't ever forget. If you could forget, you wouldn't need to forgive. Forgive something right now that you've forgotten about. Can't do it. We don't forget. That's why our only other option is forgive. Boy, it's, it helps us with our relationship with ourselves. Secondly, it helps us with our relationships with others as well. In verse 25, when he was about to go to prison, debtor's prison the first time, he finally does wind up there. His master told him, he said, I'm going to lock you up and I'm going to also lock up your wife and your children. That's how things worked in that day. As a matter of fact, in that day, you might have a slave in your house that lived in a house way bigger than yours and drove a much nicer chariot, one of those uh, air-conditioned jobs or something. I don't know. But he may be working for you as a slave because he owed you money. And that's how he's going to pay that back. It happened a lot in that day. That's how you paid your debts. You went and worked them off. Or they would put you in prison. And then you'd never be able to pay it back. But notice his family was about to go to prison with him. I, I, I can tell you, friend, forgiveness helps not only to heal us, it helps to heal those around us too. That jazz about, well, I know what I'm about to do is bad, but I'm not hurting anybody but myself. You just keep lying to yourself like that. The pain you leave in the wake of decisions that are wrong and sinful, friend, I can tell you. Boy, that's a wound that does not heal easily. And then last of all, it helps with our relationship with God. And his Lord moved with anger in verse 34, handed him over to the torturers until he should pay. Put him in a place where he could never repay. Be careful that you don't do that with somebody. You, you, do you have anybody right now locked up? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you have anybody in your life right now that did something that made you so angry, you, you're not going not, to mm -mm, talk to the, wait, sorry, talk to the hand. Have you got anybody in jail right now? You just absolutely refuse to be reconciled. Too mad. Nope. Not today. That passive-aggressive, well, I, I, I've forgiven them, but well, yeah, I can feel that. Whew. Man, I see the love steaming off of you. Don't put them in a place where they can never make it right. 
you just both will hurt. You both will hurt. Was going to put him away until he could pay what he owed. And then in verse 35, Jesus, he hits the alarm. He says, my heavenly Father will also do the same to you. If each of you, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Man, we live as children of God. We're a part of a different kingdom than this world. And when we accepted Christ as our Savior and accepted His forgiveness and His death on the cross and His payment for our sin, I, I, I want to tell you, friend, uh, we have already died to the option of unforgiveness. That's not an option. We have no choice. We have no choice. And you say, well, what about people who just repeat it? I guess if they do it over 490 times, you can make a legalistic case if they do it all within a 24-hour period. But if you're keeping up with it that well, you probably got a problem yourself. I like the old saying, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. You and I don't get to live by this world's rules. This you hit me, I hit you. Oh, I'm not talking about protecting your physical well-being or whatever, protecting your family. It, it's not about that. We know what he's talking about. It's when we passively maybe hold on to things in here. You know, there's two kinds of anger. There's the thumos, that's a Greek word, for flash, quick anger. If you have thumos, you've probably been to jail a time or two. If not, there's a good chance you will be. You just go off. Road rage. I don't understand road rage. I think people in an automobile feel like they're in a cocoon and they can just do and say whatever. Because if you run into that same person in Walmart in a few minutes, you're not going to act like that. Especially when you realize he's a head taller. It just calms you right down, does it not? Uh, Thumas is flashing the pan anger. The other one, though, is orge. And that is a kind of anger that is passive-aggressive. It's where you, oh, okay. Well, I see where we're coming from now. Oh, no, 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 it's fine, fine. When they start to apologize, no, no, I didn't mean to offend. No, 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 it's okay. It's a, I'm just glad I know where I stand now. Mm -hmm. And you just carry that one in there. And it just grows. It's like an acid eating up the jug that, is in, that it's in. And it leads to bitterness. Yeah, that's you drinking poison hoping somebody else will die. That's bitterness. That's what happens to us. Forgiveness. Man. Forgiveness is extraordinary. It's expensive, too. 
But our problem is it's essential. We have no choice. You say, but pastor, what about something that you can't forgive? You know, I've discovered that there are not a lot of things that happen to me that really matter that I can forgive on my own. If it's bad enough that I need to forgive it, I'm going to need God's help. There's so many things I don't worry about. I, I canceled with a guy one time who was had some anger issues and he got committed to a facility. And I was in there talking with him. I didn't really know what he did. But he exploded at a Walmart or somewhere. And I said, well, well, well first of all, just tell me what happened. Somebody let a shopping cart go and it hit my car. I wanted to go, well, oh, Lord, I didn't know that. I hope you killed him. I see people sometimes, you can open your door and I just don't go do it on just to be mean. But I don't worry about them kind of things. I've seen people that just absolutely explode. You step in line in front of them. I, I, I tell you, I guess I've just been through so much in life. You know, once you shoot yourself, <laughs> it'll help you not want to shoot other people as much. You're like, well, if I can live without, I believe I can live with you breaking in a line. You got more than 20 items in your car. Hope you know that. Guess you can't read. That showed them, didn't it? You felt better, didn't you? Yeah, yep. <laughs> I don't worry about those things too much. So does my heart never get broken or my anger ever get triggered? Oh, yeah. And I need God's help. I can't forgive. And he helps me. I'm humbled afterwards because I realize he owed me nothing. How could I possibly, even for a second, hold your feet to the fire? Whether you ask for it or not. Whether you came humbly or not. Whether you even care or not. It helps me, it helps others, and it helps my relationship with God when I go, and you have to let them go. Let them go. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we, we, we needed to hear from you. Lord, we live in a world full of wrongs full of things that's not fair. Lord, so many things happen, God, sometimes not to us, but when we see others that are hurt, God, it just lights a fire in our soul sometimes, God. There's so many things in this world that, Lord, seemingly are worth every bit of the hatred that we could fire that way. But I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, to keep a close check on our own hearts and lives and realize how incredible 
it was that you would forgive us. And the price you paid, Lord, to clear the slate, to declare us righteous. 100% righteous, God. To blot out our transgressions, Lord. God, we thank you for that. Help us, Lord, to set an example to the world around us as we forgive those, Lord, of their sins just as you forgive us of ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at ServantsWay.com or email us at office at ServantsWay.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.